Welcome to the Financial Insight Podcast, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. The Financial Insight Podcast is for professional investors only. Thank you. Today, we're going to be speaking to Tembeka Stamala Dagbo at MNG Investments. She's the lead fund manager of the Diversity and Inclusion Fund. Let's just jump straight into it. So let's talk about the uh, Diversity and Inclusion Fund. Maybe you can give us a top level description of what it is and what, what your aims in the funds are. Great. Uh, yeah, the Diversity and Inclusion Fund um, was launched by MNG um, at the end of last year, around November. Um, and it's a fund that essentially invests in companies that are um, demonstrating strong levels of diversity, uh, primarily gender um, and or ethnic minority diversity. Um, they're also um, strong in terms of sustainability uh, credentials, um, and it also invests in companies uh, that are providing solutions that are bringing about uh, social equality and inclusion um, within the communities. In terms of the fund, I think one of the main things that we found is that um, you know more diverse companies tend to outperform their less diverse counterparts, and I think that uh, tends to be more reflective of you know, just the evolving customer base. Um, women and ethnic minorities are having increasingly growing uh, purchasing power. And so it's important that a lot of these management teams um, essentially uh, start to uh, be more reflective of the societies that they serve. So we don't think that it's just a nice to have. We actually think it makes um, good uh, business sense over the long term. Um, and several reports, uh, namely uh, McKinsey, uh, even Refinitiv, for instance, have uh, pretty much pointed to that. Another thing that we thought was important was um, not just to look at diversity in isolation, but to also think about um, elements that are bringing it about. So in that uh, case, we actually thought, you know, also recognizing companies that are creating solutions that can actually bring about social inclusion. So whether it's having access to infrastructure um, or you know, providing mobile payments uh, uh, capabilities to uh, the unbanked population or people without credit histories, um, those elements have the ability to improve people's livelihoods and also to improve people's access to economies, which in turn should also improve the levels of diversity at the highest levels of society. And that's really why um, you know, structuring a fund that acknowledges both the importance of diversity, but also the importance of social inclusion just seemed like a good fit. So, okay. So I think you've given us a really good sort of insight there into um, what you're looking for in the companies that you invest in. Um, so that's maybe we could just, yeah, let's look at that in a little bit more detail. So um, in terms of, yeah, what are you looking for in terms of diversity companies and then uh, diversity within companies? And maybe we can talk about what we were just talking about before we were recording, where it's, you're going beyond just representation, just sort of, look, yeah, which is really interesting. Yeah, um, I think one of the biggest differenti- differentiators of the fund is that um, we are, uh, first of all, going beyond just uh, gender investing. There are quite a few uh, gender-focused funds out there, which is also clearly important. Um, but we wanted uh, to also screen in companies from a quantitative element who also um, have high levels of uh, diversity from you know ethnic minorities as well. And this is also what you're seeing the industry trying uh, starting to recognize um, with the thirty percent club also including um, you know the requirement to have at least one um, ethnic minority on boards 
um, as well as the FCA actually having come out uh, with a report last last yesterday, actually. Mm. Um, so I think those elements are really recognizing the importance of um, different types of diversity, which we're trying to also capture. But we also go just beyond the headline numbers at board and executive level and actually dig down to how inclusive the, the work environments of these companies are. So do they have progressive parental leave policies and flexible working options that could really be helpful for people who are having children, for instance, in their careers? Um, we also uh, try to understand, you know, what kind of working groups or, you know, inclusive activities are occurring um, in order to create a, an environment in which uh, people of different uh, types of diversity can thrive. And in that way, we can also actually capture other forms of diversity outside of gender and ethnic minority um, such as you know pe uh, people identifying as having disabilities, um, the LGBTQ plus communities, etc. And in that way, we get a bit, we get more comfort that you know these companies are actually creating an environment that can enhance, uh, further enhance or maintain high levels of diversity um, in the future. Uh, therefore, the strategy on diversity as well as the targets also remain important in having an understanding of that. And that's what we essentially mean by uh, going beyond, uh, you know, representation, because oftentimes uh, you see a lot of uh, companies uh, not necessarily walking the talk. Um, and it's relatively easy to, um, you know, change around board uh, boards and management teams um, visually, but not actually have uh, the environment that can bring about greater diversity more organically. And we think that's just as important when thinking about diversity as a whole. All right. Yes. So we've we've talked about diversity. Now, let, yeah, let's talk about inclusion. So, um, how does how how do you how, how can you measure inclusion uh, in, in a company? How 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 do you go about doing that? Yeah. Well, when we think about you know social inclusion, uh, we basically think about companies who have products and services that are helping to empower the communities um, around them, um, and essentially any underrepresented uh, population. So when we think about it, inclusion can include um, a vast array of companies. Um, within the emerging or frontier markets, these could be companies providing you know, mobile services to underserved populations where the penetration tends to be low um, in Africa, as examples. Um, you know, it could be creating uh, you know, uh, micro-lending solutions to an unbanked population at affordable rates. Um, it could also be creating other forms of infrastructure that essentially help um, what is typically an underserved community um, thrive. Mm -hmm. We can also think about it as far as you know, developing markets, for instance, where we've seen a lot of companies come up with technologies that can help people uh, who identify as having disabilities. Um, for instance, you know, having a company that creates cochlear implants that can help people um, you know, hear, essentially. Uh, even at birth, um, so these things, these these services and these products become very important in um, making a, a population that wouldn't ordinarily be able to um, actually participate um, in economies or live full lives do so uh, fairly easily. So that's what we think about when we think about when we talk about um, social inclusion companies. I don't. I don't know if this. Uh, yeah. The the question are the companies that fill both criteria. I imagine there are, but maybe you could. Uh, you could tell us which ones do. 
Yeah, I think um, oftentimes, you know, because we've got almost two avenues, we've got the sustainability part of the portfolio that's looking at diverse companies. Mm. Um, and then we've also got the impact part of the portfolio that's looking at companies generating social impact. Um, the reality is people think that all the time these uh, companies will fit ne- neatly in these two categories, whereas we actually have seen uh, quite a few companies do both. Um, so, for instance, we have um, a company that provides childcare services that pretty much has a gender balance um, um, at board level as well as with an executive level. They've also got very progressive policies, but at the same time, they're also creating, um, they also have a service that allows uh, women to be able to remain in the workforce even as they have um, children and essentially uh, move up the ranks uh, in those societies. So that really sh- uh, you know, shows an example of a company that fulfills both. Mm-hmm. Interestingly as well, um, we see in Africa, for instance, um, you know, many people might assume that uh, you know, a lot of the companies within Africa that might be creating um, social inclusion through the products and, its serv- and the services they provide um, would just you know, do that and that's all. But we've actually found there's actually quite significant uh, levels of um, strong gender diversity as well in those boards. Um, so it's very, it's very clear that um, it is possible for a company to both reflect the communities that it serves while creating products and services that actually empower that community as well. Mm. And then it's actually, it's actually worth um, probably asking this, but I, I, from what you're saying, it seems like a very global fund, right? It seems like it's a, Correct. Maybe, maybe you could tell me a little bit about that, sort of that element of it. Yeah. Yes, it is a global fund. So, um, you know, what we found, interestingly enough, was that it's very possible to invest across um, all gig sectors as well as across the world when thinking when looking for companies that are both diverse and those that are providing social um, inclusion uh, products and services Um, and that's really helpful because it allows us to create to have a relatively uh, balanced portfolio um, that's also well diversified um, and having access to um, certain sectors so i think that really um, helps with the actual long-term returns of a fund um, such as this and also uh, allows us to be able to tap into a lot of uh, really uh, strong quality names uh, that sometimes might actually be undervalued um, based on the geography price uh, that it's uh, operating within. Um, so I think that really um, helps us uh, you know, be able to create uh, a relatively well-balanced portfolio as a result. Excellent. Okay, cool. So, so yeah, let's talk about, let's, I, I really like this question. So are there particular regions or mm-hmm. sectors um, that you find are uh, work for you uh, that you want to invest in? Are there particular ones that you just exclude? Yeah. Um, as mentioned before, you know it's pretty much um, it's pretty much easy to uh, invest across most uh, sectors. Um, I think where you mm. might perhaps uh, find uh, some challenges would be you know mo- mainly the energy sector. Um, and that's actually less a function of the diversity uh, element, um, but more as a result of the exclusions that we have as an ESG fund. So we don't invest in companies that um, that produce uh, fossil fuels or, or alcohols as examples or tobacco, um, for instance. So those are sectors where you wouldn't uh, be able to invest. Um, and actually, those are also sectors where whilst you might find some diverse companies, 
is also not as strong as it could be, especially from a gender um, diversity perspective. Uh, where we'll probably find a lot of um, opportunities is within the consumer discretionary um, and the consumer staples sector, actually. Uh, consumer staples is probably where you'll find a lot more ethnic minority diversity on boards. And that's because a lot of these services pretty much are, you know, serving uh, people in Africa and Asia and a lot of developing markets. So you tend to have a bit more ethnic diversity on those boards. Um, and then in the consumer discretionary uh, sector, uh, particularly when you think about, uh, you know, luxury um, goods companies, um, that's probably where you'll find uh, a lot of um, gender diversity. Interestingly enough, though, what we've also found is that there's a lot of um, opportunities to also invest uh, in the IT space. So um, whilst we might not necessarily um, have as much exposure to the fangs, uh, you know, you do um, end up picking up, uh, you know, some strong um, companies in the IT space that are creating software or, you know, supporting, um, you know, a digital integration of, uh, of companies um, across the globe. Um, so you actually end up having quite a lot of waiting in our watch lists um, to the IT space, um, given how uh, progressive their policies are as far as uh, gender diversity mm -hmm. is concerned, especially, um, with some of them having the most progressive uh, parental leave policies as well uh, within the US, uh, where they could even provide, you know, five months plus uh, parental leave, which is something you actually don't see uh, quite often in the US, uh, where the standard tends to be around six weeks, as an example. Um, so I think, you know, you'd be surprised uh, at how at how diversified um, the range of, uh, you know, companies that could be screened in for gender or ethnic minority diversity can be. Mm. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, when we're thinking more from a country perspective, uh, you know, similar, the similar um, points are true. Uh, but perhaps where we might find some difficulties within Asia, uh, where, mm -hmm. you know, essentially the regulatory pressure on um, diversity, especially from a gender perspective, um, is not as high. Um, and so, mm -hmm. you know, essentially a gender diverse board, um, a, a board would be considered gender diverse if it has one or two women on it. Um, which is essentially far lower than the standards um, set outside of that area. So that's probably where, you know, we might have, uh, you know, some pressure from a diversity perspective. But then, of course, you can also capture uh, companies that are providing social inclusion within Asia. So, again, you end up, uh, you know, being able to invest uh, quite easily across the globe. Um, basically, I've, I've one more question. Is there anything else that you'd like to add mm. on top of this, what we spoke about today? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's really just about um, the importance of social investing. Um, you know, I think when we think about the UN um, Sustainable Development Goals or the SDGs, uh, you've seen the investment community really embrace um, investment into climate and uh, the environment especially, which is clearly extremely mm -hmm. important. Um, but oftentimes I do feel as that it has been to the expense of social investing or rather social investing has gone under the radar. Um, but I think in a post-COVID world where 
you know, you'll find women and ethnic minorities were disproportionately impacted by the loss of livelihoods and the impacts of the pandemic and the lockdowns. Um, and also when you think about uh, how that funding gap for the SDGs has grown to around 100 trillion over the past um, year, uh, two years, uh, with the social topics being particularly neglected, there's clearly uh, an opportunity to really uh, pick up the slack as far as um, embracing social investing and the social elements of the SDGs as well. Um, and I think now with the climate that we're going into, uh, where you see you know, rising interest rates um, as a result of um, heightened levels of inflation, you, know, you clearly have significantly more pressure on um, more uh, poorer parts of um, society and you know, with others who have been able to take themselves out of poverty, um, likely to also be dragged back into it given uh, the current inflationary environment. So if anything, I think it's become even more important uh, to really uh, think about social investing and really not to also um, think about social and climate investing in isolation as they both impact uh, one another. Uh, essentially, given, you know, access or rather closer proximity to, uh, you know, whether it's bodies of water or uh, waste plants, uh, etc., it's the poorer communities that tend to be even more impacted by uh, the adverse effects of climate action. Um, and women as well uh, tend to also be excluded in that, in that, in that sense. Uh, so I think it's really important for the social investing in this climate of high inflation um, and post the COVID uh, pandemic to really become a big focus for investors as well. Becca, thank you so much for chatting to me today. No worries. The Financial Insight podcast is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Wherever appropriate, independent research, and wherever necessary, legal advice should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. The value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.